So today in our first reading we had a very politically incorrect phrase which was read with a beautiful French accent. Naturally stupid are all men who have not known God. Naturally stupid are all men who have not known God and who from all the good things they have seen have not been able to discover him who is. So he who is, the I am, you know, from, from, from Genesis. Uh, he, that from all things that are, we cannot discover the creator. From all the created things, all the creatures, we can't discover the creator. Naturally stupid are all men who cannot do so. Very, very interesting proposition uh, from the Book of Wisdom here, because generally speaking, in the world today, uh, we're so scientifically advanced and so on, most people think that if you're super smart, you're probably atheist. Or if you're super smart, you probably should be atheist. You know? Like if you're a scientist and you're an astrophysicist, generally speaking, you probably should be atheist because it's the smarter thing to do. <laughs> right? And often, if you're doing a school retreat as well, um, the kid who spends a lot of time at home reading uh, Star Wars and getting lost in the actual politics of, of the Federation versus the whatever it is, else is, uh, and getting lost in the detail of all of these characters and read lots of, read lots of books and read lots of, of, of science as well. But I would say, Father, yeah, but the Big Bang, okay? Like there's all of you and your priesty thing, and then like there's the Big Bang, I mean, as if no more needs to be said. Very, very interesting because uh, whenever I return or retort then that indeed the Big Bang was discovered by a, as in the theory of the Big Bang, was first posited by a Belgian priest, Catholic, by the way, uh, called Georges Lemaitre, um, and who died actually in 1966. So, like, this is relatively new. He didn't. Is it like? It's not, it's not ancient history at all. Uh, it posited by him that uh, the universe, and, and I quote: "According to the Big Bang theory, the expansion of the observable universe began with the explosion of a single particle." at a definitive point in time. So about 13.77 billion years ago, uh, and I quote again, the Big Bang Theory is an event, a, a physical event, that describes how the universe expanded from an, an initial state of high density and temperature. In uh, various cosmological models of the Big Bang, uh, explain the evolution of the observable universe from the earliest known periods through its subsequent large-scale form. Point being that 3.77 million years ago, all of the universe was in an immensely dense, compact state. All right, again, this is science, not the Bible, science. Uh, so immensely dense, compact state. So all of the universe, I mean, if you could squash a car into something that would fit in my hand, that would be 1.5 tons, like that'd be pretty heavy. If you could squash a house into something that would fit into my hand, no person in, in the universe could, well, no person in, on the earth could lift it, right? But if you could squash an entire universe into something that would fit in my hand, I mean, like, it's just immensely, incredibly dense. Uh, we've no way to even measure that kind of thing. Okay. So the whole universe compacted into something like that. And at a certain point in history, 13.77 million years ago, it went boom, basically, uh, and accelerated even faster than the speed of light and give way to all sorts of, of elements and minerals and light and gas and then eventually the things start to cool down and solidify and you've got galaxies and solar systems and so on. Okay, now, we, we 
covered this recently in, in our catechism studies here, but how does all of that disprove the existence of God? Or, maybe I should phrase the question differently, does all of that disprove the existence of God? The fact that we've identified the point in time in which everything went boom, how, how, how should this disprove the existence of God? Or, dare I say, if I ask another question, is there something wrong with the argument that this disproves the existence of God? Where is the hole in the argument? Big Bang disproves the existence of God. Where is the hole in their argument? No scientific theory can or ever will be able to explain where enough matter to create a universe can come from nothing. No matter how far back we go, no matter how many you know, dominoes back we go, there's eventually one domino at the beginning. Uh-huh, and what knocked that? Like domino 99 is do- knocked by domino 98. Okay, domino 50 is do- knocked by domino 49. But eventually you get back to a starting point, And what knocked that? What? Where? How? Does enough matter to create a universe come from nothing? Because if you say, well, something created that. Okay, what created that? We eventually get to a point that something has to be outside of the system that a a, a non-domino knocked the first domino. So St. Thomas Aquinas would call call that the uncreated the uncaused cause. The uncaused cause. He's like the causer. But he's, he's, he himself isn't caused. The uncreated creator, you know? He, he starts the process, but he's not part of the process. So how on earth does this contradict our faith? It doesn't. Now, if you take an absolutely literal reading of Genesis, then, yeah, the Big Bang Theory then does cause problems. But we, as, as Catholics, do not propose that the world was created in seven 24-hour periods. That's not what we believe anyway. It's not, contrary to popular belief. Uh, we don't believe that. But can God create through a process? Can he start the Big Bang? And then through incredible intelligence and also patience, create all the elements and conditions necessary that on this little blue grain of sand flying around in space, otherwise known as Earth, human life could come into being. Again, through the right set of circumstances, always guided by him. And even if it is through a process of evolution, even that must be guided. Because no matter how long, no matter how many million years you leave fish in shallow water, they will never grow legs. They won't. They won't. They won't. It doesn't happen, right? Or then, like, again, the, the, the uh, Darwinism, modern-day Darwinism, would propose that the evolution of the species happens through mutation. Mutation? Mutation is generally called cancer, right? When cells become what they're not supposed to be in a body, it kills you. You don't suddenly mutate and have a fifth leg, or if you're a fish, two legs, that, that, and then that, 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 that property can actually be passed on to the next generation because if it can't be passed on, then you have two legs and then you die. Well, that doesn't benefit the species in any way. So you have to have a mom and a dad who have the same mutation at the same time and can pass that on to baby fishes. And then when they have these new legs, that, that is, un, is in some way advantageous to that species. Otherwise, fish with legs in the sea are actually slower than normal fish and they get eaten first. So voila, after all the millions of years of evolution, they pop out two legs. We have a mommy and a daddy who now have two legs, which is an advantage, and they get eaten first by the sharks. End of evolution. 
You know, I mean, so this, 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 this it's a simplistic idea that we have single-celled organisms, multi-celled organisms, turn into fish, lizards, horses, and it just, this, the, the little graphics are lovely. Absolutely impossible. Well, no. Incredibly improbable, unless it's guided by intelligence. It just, I'm, I, it just... Look at the, 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 the jumps, the huge jumps. We, we, we cover this in, in, in our catechism studies as well. Like even any one particular organ in the body, right? Any one organ is no advantage to the species unless that organ is fully functioning, right? So it can't develop slowly. You can't have, you know, um, so a jellyfish suddenly develops like a part of a liver, Right? And then a million years, it's like a, a full liver. And then after two million years, it's a full liver that's actually connected to the bloodstream and now can actually do something. So if you've part of a liver lodged in your abdomen, it will go septic and you die. Like, it doesn't work unless the whole thing works. Again, it's no advantage to a species to develop an eye unless that eye is connected to the brain. You know, and as, compl- as, well, as, as complicated as the eye is, it's no good to you unless it works. So you can't develop an eye slowly over millions of years. Because, if you, again, if you have something lodged in your head, unless it's connected to a bloodstream, it kills you. It'll go septic, like it'll rot. So, so this, this idea that, that all, all, everything that we have in our, our bodies, the whole thing can, can just develop slowly and slowly, it just doesn't work. Because there has to be a kind of a, a jump where you go from you know, uh, bacteria multi-celled organisms or a jellyfish, and now we've got a fully functioning eye. Now that's our eyes. Now that's advantageous to the species. And then you have a female who has the same fully functioning eyes. They can reproduce. Now you've got little babies with fully functioning eyes. But there, there has to be a, a jump. A partial development of organs doesn't work. It'll actually kill you. So to see intelligence behind what we have is not running to God every time we can't understand something. Because that's something that, that science would kind of argue as well. That, uh, that oh, as soon as you don't understand something, oh, it's God. What are things made of? Um, God particles. No, we don't mind calling them atoms. We can. It's all right. It doesn't shock our faith. It doesn't rock our world. Okay? God created atoms. What's the problem? Okay, well then, you know, we dig a little deeper. What are atoms made of? Oh, they're probably, you, you religious are probably going to say they're made of God particles, are they? No, we can say they're made of neutrons and protons and shells. There's no problem. This doesn't contradict our faith. In fact, if anything, the heavens proclaim the glory of God and the firmament shows forth the work of his hands. And we can even substitute in a couple of words there. You know, the universe proclaims the glory of God and atomic particles show forth the work of his hands. Everything. The eyeball shows forth the work of his hands. Fire. Incredible stuff. Wind. A leaf. A snowflake shows forth the work of his hand. This is not in any way any contradiction to our faith. Understanding the world around us doesn't disprove the existence of God. No more than understanding the Pietà disproves the existence of Michelangelo. Right? It's such a beautiful work of art. Oh my goodness, it must have come from nothing. Why can't science and faith work hand in hand that everything that we discover about this beautifully created world 
is the work of God. Great. So, but let's continue to discover. Let's continue. So we don't have to, as I say, every time there's a mystery, every time there's something we don't understand, just back off and say, oh, well, God did it. We can try and understand it. Absolutely. Science, by all means, knock yourselves out. Go for it. It's fantastic. It's good that we understand the world around us. But the more that we understand about the world around us, in fact, if anything, for me, the more it reveals the incredible intelligence, the in incredible goodness, and the incredible beauty of the Creator. You know, see, so we we, the more we discover about the universe, fantastic, great, bring it on. It doesn't disprove the existence of God. It just proves that there's an incredibly, like uh, a God who's so generous and so um, just overflows with love that he creates gifts in the beautiful universe that we have that we haven't even discovered yet. There's beauty out there we haven't even seen yet. There's more and more and more. Such is the generosity of his heart. Doesn't disprove the existence of a creator at all. So today we can be very confident that, that our faith and our understanding of the world, otherwise known as science, that they can absolutely go hand in hand. They are in no way contradictory. At times there might be things that are difficult to reconcile, but keep studying, keep studying, and keep praying, and we'll see that they actually go hand in hand. There's no problem. There's no contradiction. There are different areas. There are different fields of study but they're complementary. Because as scripture says, naturally stupid are all men who have not known God and who, from the good things they have seen, have not been able to discover him who is.